Welcome to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University. Market Chat brings you conversations that aim to empower our listeners with greater insights and knowledge on how you can successfully market to the U.S. federal government. I'm Luann Brossman, founder and president of Government Marketing University, and today I will be your host. And I also have a co-host today, Steve Watkins. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Luann. Good to be here. So Steve is our chief content officer at Government Marketing University, and today he and I are talking about a topic that I have wanted to talk about for so long. I'm so excited. End of year buying marketing hype, fact or fiction. All of us in marketing and sales, but we're specifically thinking about marketers right now, we are told that we better hurry up and do some quick end of buying season marketing, email campaigns, events, uh, call campaigns to get the attention of the federal buyer at the end of the year. But does it really work? That's what we're going to find out today with our esteemed panel of uh, former and current federal executives. So today, who we have with us are Sean Kelly. Sean is a CISO at a federal agency, and he is also the president of Guide Tech. Welcome, Sean. We are thrilled to have you. Thank you. Good morning. We also have Soraya Correa with us. She's the chief procurement officer, and she is a returning panelist on Market Chat. So she is with the Department of Homeland Security. Welcome. Thank you. And we also have with us today Henry Sinkowitz. Henry is the former CIO at the Defense Information Systems Agency, or DISA. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Luann. It's a pleasure to be here. We're happy to have you. And uh, Henry is also uh, an author, and we're going to be talking about his new book on cybersecurity later in today's program. So welcome, everybody. We have so many questions to ask. We are never going to get through all of them. But the good news is that we always publish a top 10 list after these programs. So I encourage all of our listeners to go to www.governmentmarketinguniversity.com and download because guaranteed we are going to get some great insights today. All right. So we're just going to jump right in. End of buying season. Is it a use it or lose it phenomenon? Is there money in a government agency? Um, or is it hype? So let's just dive right into that. So you want Soraya to take the lead on this since I'm the chief Absolutely. procurement officer at the I'm table. looking okay. at you, Soraya, because I know, chief procurement officer of DHS, <laughs> do you have money? And if so, let's talk about that. So I always tell people I'm the most popular person in the fourth quarter of the fiscal year. I just want everybody to know that. I know how popular I am. Everybody will forget me for the rest of the year. Anyway, um, so there's fact and fiction there. Ah. So let me tell you the fact. The fact is, yeah, there's money. But generally speaking, we've already planned out how we're going to spend that money. Um, most agencies are operating generally under a continuing resolution this year. You know, the funding came down around the April, May timeframe. We already started planning most of our acquisitions and have identified how we're going to spend that money. So it's a little bit of fiction to think that there's a lot of money out there to do end of year buying. Fact or fiction? I think we heard fiction with a little bit of fact. Mm-hmm. All right. Who else? Henry. I'll take it. And I, I would say that it's a combination of both. Um, I I think we all know that there is money towards the end of the year. Um, The question is, where is that money and what can you spend it on? Um, A lot of it's already allocated. I mean, you've done the budget roll-ups, the palm and the the sweeps have happened. If you as a marketing salesperson haven't identified your targets in the first, second quarter of the calendar year, you are going to be horribly disappointed. Horribly disappointed because at the end of the day, at the beginning of June, if your sponsor has haven't said, this is what I need you to be spending and I need you to figure out for me to spend this money on as we've done the sweeps, you will probably not see a penny of that money. Um, it's an it's a unfortunate reality that there is going to be sweeps. There are going to be – there's going to be money rolled up uh, because budgets happen. Um, programs are either over – Uh, executing or under executing and so that the budget numbers generally mean that there's going to be some additional funding available but the question is what does your specific thing your project your your piece of software your service how does that align to what these two really need inside the federal space and if you can figure out that alignment and show it to them in that first or second quarter you'll be able to be you'll be successful if you don't Every email you send will just go into the dumpster. Yeah, I, I can validate that. I know Sean probably wants to chime in here. Most procurement organizations have the discipline to have told their program offices, yeah. you got to get your requisitions in before June 30th. Yeah. 
So that's how we know that most of the, the, the funding has been identified for expenditure and we know where we're going to spend it. All right. So listeners, and we're going to hear from Sean in a moment, but listeners, the takeaway from this is, it, and a lot of us do this, ask for the majority of your marketing budget dollars for the first half of the calendar year spend. Or, Sean. or also the fourth quarter, because anybody that comes to see me, I'm talking about next year. Ah, I'm not, that's you correct. know, I'm, unless there's something emergent or urgent that comes up, I'm not approaching the contracting officer. I mean, at this point in the game, we're actually just trying to make sure what we've already submitted is going to get done because usually the list is so long, our contracting officers are having to prioritize what's going to really get done and then what we hope to get done. And so when someone comes to see me, I'm looking at next year. I'm not looking at this year in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, so let's get into uh, the phenomenon of why there is so much money at the end of the year. Um, I'm Everyone's generally familiar with the fact that you kind of have to use it or lose it, but are there other factors at play? Well, certainly when you're operating on a continuing resolution, you're limited on what you can actually do with those continuing resolution funds. So for those first quarter or the first two quarters of the year, depending on how long the continuing resolution, we're working on the ongoing or recurring activities because that's acceptable. New starts, you have to wait until the budget is passed. But what a lot of organizations are doing, and I can certainly speak for us at DHS and especially the uh, contracting activities that report to me directly, what we try to do is work with our program offices because we know we're not going to have enough time to do a lot of these large procurements at the end of the year. We start planning those activities uh, usually in October, and sometimes we'll put out our RFIs, our requests for information, our RFPs, et cetera, because the only thing we can't do is make an award. But we can certainly plan the procurement, possibly even get proposals in if that's what we need to do to be ready for the end of year spending. In terms of numbers, I can tell you that for DHS, our number roughly is about 35 to 40 percent of our dollars are obligated at the end of the year. And that represents about 35 to 40 percent of the transactions that we do. But we start those transactions much earlier in the year. So I encourage folks, do that marketing early in the year, because at the end of the fiscal year, most of us are not reading the marketing emails. I mean, I can honestly tell you, if they're not in the junk box, you know, the junk mailbox, they probably end up there anyway, because I'm not looking for, for new companies. What we tend to do is try to talk to companies as early as possible in the year. Boy, that's sound advice. Yeah, and, and I think it might be helpful also to define end of year. Are we talking mm -hmm. about the last quarter, or how, how does that money spend happen? Uh, I, I, I'm defining end of fiscal year, so mm -hmm. the fourth quarter of the fiscal year, which is the period July 1 through September 30th. But I, I think I'm going to echo, echo what you just said. If you haven't locked that in, in the, on the programmatic side by the 1st of June as the outside sales marketing team, if you haven't locked it in by the 1st of June, the chance of either one of these two individuals Agreed. and their respective organizations executing on your your plan is close to zero. Uh, unless you can go and you find a way to use um, an IDIQ contract or a basic ordering agreement and slice in a small piece for a new start at the beginning um, with the fallout dollars and, and start it so that it lines up with what their their teams have. Start those programs um, in a pilot or a seed venture format at the with the, those fallout dollars, expecting that the continuing resolution happens, but you can then spend against that obligated dollars from the previous FY. So it's a bit of a, I'm, I'm trying to help yeah. the marketing guys go through a very thin window, but there are ways to do it. Yeah. Well, and, and I would also encourage that, especially if, if you're trying to market federal agencies, participate in things like requests for information and industry days and those kinds of events to get known as early as possible. A lot of the agencies now are really tightly planning their budgets because the budgets are shrinking, okay? Um, somebody said the other day, the new high is a flat budget. If your budget didn't shrink, you're probably doing well. I love that. Okay, so that wasn't mine. I stole that from somebody, but... What, what really is happening is we're trying to do a better job of getting information out to industry as early as possible. So I would start participating in those activities more, perhaps marketing as early as possible, because here's the real deal. Even if we identify money, we probably have a list of unfunded requirements, things that were not funded that we really need to do that we've already identified and targeted if we get any leftover money that that's where we're going to go. And, you know, yeah. those you first, we're going to hold that because that's a whole big discussion I can't wait to talk about. And also, 
Um, I want to tell our listeners, because you touched on something really important, Soraya, around industry days. Mm -hmm. I encourage encourage our listeners to go to Federal News Radio and uh, search on Market Chat, because Soraya and three of her chief procurement officer um, colleagues talked all about that on one of our market chats. So I really encourage you to go listen to that if you're listening today. Luann, let me talk on the emails a second. Please. we get those. Um, and we send them to you. <laughs> you have about three to four sentences with me to catch me. Otherwise, it's delete or ignore. I, I just don't, you know, people that send me these five to six paragraph emails is like, okay. Or on LinkedIn, you know, these, I, I you get three or four sentences. I think the most valuable ones I've seen is that three or four sentences and then three choices. Hey, tell me to stop. Tell me you'd like to meet or tell me to come back at a later date. And I'm like, you know oh, what? I like your approach. I like that. I will meet with you, you know, and, and, and come in. And it helps me quickly say, okay, this is what you want to talk about. And you're, you're willing to leave me alone and stop sending these. Um, or we can talk later. Do you pay attention no. to the and subject line? Yeah, mission, right? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'm tie sorry. back yeah. for me. Okay. Tie back for me. Make me want to talk to you, right? So make it tell about DHS mission. You know, don't tell me I, I got a nice software package that might help you write a letter. Well, and it, it has to directly tie to mission because, right. I, I mean, government service is service and that it has to be tied back to mission effectiveness and hopefully in year of execution, exactly. mission effectiveness, because if not, you're going to lose the bubble. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's great to say, hey, I want you to plan this out for the next two years. Well, that doesn't happen in this environment anymore. You have to show how does what you want me to spend my dollars on matter immediately to my constituents. And if you can't show that, and sorry, Sean has, I would, I would posit Sean has all sorts of vendors inside the cybersecurity community who are saying, I've got the latest and greatest widget that will solve all of your problems, when the fact of the matter is that it won't because they don't tie back to what his mission set is. The other part is a lot of the folks, you know, I call them acquisition ready. They'll come in and yeah. I'll, the first question I ask you, if you get me excited about your product or your service or what you're going to do, and I'll say, how are you going to get to me? Well, I don't know how you want me to get to you. It's like. You're kidding. <laughs> you, you were, that's had, amazing. But believe that's it, I've had that nine today. out of 10 visits. Yeah. That's yeah. usually what's said today. Oh. oh, no. And it's the most frustrating thing imaginable is that, yeah, you get the, 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 the potential customer excited about the product. And then all of a sudden you realize they have not set up. These are the contracts. These are the partners. By the way, here's my GSA schedule so that if there is fallout dollar, all of a sudden their, their teams can go and say, yeah, I've got X number of fallout dollars here, execute it right here. And it makes, sorry, it makes her life much, much easier when you can show that immediately. And do your homework. Yeah. Do your homework. The worst thing that you can do is come in to talk to me and you don't even know who my chief information officer is. You don't know what, how I'm organized. Yeah. We have websites, all of us yeah. do this day. Just go do some homework, study what's going on out there. Maybe read up on doing business with, maybe even look at some of, some of the things that we've done in the past so that you're conversant. Because mm -hmm. if I've got to educate you from scratch, that shouldn't be my job. My job should be focused on, hey, what have you got to sell? Who are the organizations within the agency that could use this? Who do I point you to? And one of the things that we do at DHS is we are very friendly to the to the industry. So I have great small business people. I have industry liaisons. And we really make a great effort when folks come in to market us to try to point them in the right direction to talk to the right people, especially folks who are bringing new and innovative solutions all the time. We're, we're trying to identify the non-traditional companies, companies who normally don't do business with DHS and or the rest of the federal government to help them find a way to, to help us out because we're trying to solve some real problems. Right, and don't waste their time. Sorry, I, the most frustrating thing I ever had in government was I'd, get, I, I'd agree to take a meeting. We talk, they talk, they talk. And in the last five minutes, you find what actually mattered to me. And all of a sudden, I've just, I, I, the, I'm sorry, I would posit that your calendars are blocked out yeah. in 15, 30-minute increments. And all of a sudden, I can't keep the time, I can't generate enough time to have a meaningful discussion about what really mattered. And so if you can't figure out what their mission sets are, shame on you if they're not going to buy something that actually matters. Well, Sean, you and I have spoken before, Agreed. and we need to do this. Um, coming up with a unilateral capability statement template for industry to use. It, it is. I The story I usually share is I had a gentleman come in with his technical expert, and he, in the first five seconds, told me about all these big companies that he had worked for. And I was at another agency, and he said, you know, five years ago we did X, Y, and Z. And I said, oh, that's great. What have you done in the last five years? 
I don't know. Okay. Um, can I see a capability statement? He goes, I didn't bring one. And I said, so why did you come here today? Did you exit him out of your office well, at that point? Well, this is what we did. This is, this is, we, went down a, we went down a road. I said, so why did you come here today? And he goes, well, I just thought we were going to say hello. I said, so I work 12 to 14 hours a day, and you thought I just had 30 minutes to say hello to you. Um, and so then I tried to help him recover, and I said, so why don't you, <laughs> off, of, off of what you did five years ago, write me a white paper and tell me what you think some of the problems I have and how I can solve them and those kind of things. And then he went on to say, so you're telling me if I do this, you're going to do. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm helping trying to help you recover from a very bad showing. I said, <laughs> so how about you do that? And, and by the way, he did send the white paper about a month later. And it was horrible. And wow. he has reached out. He'll never get time on my calendar again. No. Wow. That is a, a really strong lesson learned. Oh, there's so much great stuff to talk about. But we need to take a commercial. So uh, we'll be back with lots more questions with our esteemed panel. So this is Luann Brosman. I'm your host of Government Marketing University Market Chat on Federal News Radio, where we bring you government marketing hot topics, exciting guests, and innovative ideas on government marketing. You're listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Are you a government marketing professional? If so, you should know about Government Marketing University's GAIN Conference on October 13th in Reston, Virginia. GAIN stands for Grow, Accelerate, Innovate, and Network. Our top-notch training and educational content, networking opportunities, and robust exchange of ideas will help you grow your skills, accelerate your marketing success, develop innovative marketing strategies and tactics, all while networking with your peers. Visit governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com to learn more about our 2017 GAIN Conference on October 13th. Brought to you by Government Marketing University. Welcome back to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I'm your host, Luann Brossman, and today we're talking about how do marketers best position their company to take advantage of into buying season dollars? Or is it just marketing hype? We're answering that question today, fact or fiction, or both, as we discovered earlier in our program. We have three esteemed guests with us today, and I'd like to once again extend my welcome to them. We have Sean Kelly. Sean is a CISO at a federal agency, and he is the president of Guytech. We also have Soraya Correa. She's the chief procurement officer at Department of Homeland Security. And we also have Henry Sinkowitz. Henry is a former CIO at DISA. So welcome, panelists. So we, um, as we mentioned, we have had such great information given to us today, and that information is going to continue. And I'm going to pass the mic to my co-host, who is uh, Government Marketing University's Chief Content Officer, Steve Watkins. Steve? Yeah, great. Well, this is such a hot topic, and, and I love it. I love the discussion. Um, so, Soraya, I'll start with you. Um, can you kind of take us behind the scenes and, and, and give our listeners a, a little bit of a peek at how those priorities are made mm -hmm. uh, for end-of-year buying? And then also, more importantly, how can they get visibility into what those priorities are? Okay. So a couple of things that we're doing at DHS, and I'm going to talk to DHS specifically because every agency has their own approaches. But at DHS, at the beginning of the year, we actually sit down, we try, the procurement offices, try to sit down with the customers and identify what programs they got coming down the pike and what are their priorities? What are the procurements that they're going to be bringing forth? Where do they need new contracts? Where are they going to use existing GWACs or uh, uh, government-wide, I'm sorry, government-wide acquisitions or some of our existing strategically sourced contracts? Among the things that we look at is competition, how much competition we're going to be generating. Uh, what are we going to be doing in the small business arena? At DHS, we have a very aggressive and robust small business program. Um, I'm very proud to say we're on our eighth A in a row uh, of the seven largest agencies. Wow. We actually meet or exceed our goals pretty much every single year, and all of our components participate in that. And we have a very robust marketing program ourselves. Very similar to industry, we go out and market industry. We go out and talk to industry and tell them the kinds of things that we're buying, what were the problems that we're trying to solve and strategically where we're trying to take the agency. One of those events is called the Strategic Industry Conversation. I host that with a lot of the senior officials in our agency where we talk about 
the problem sets that we're trying to solve, where the agency is trying to go with the mission that they're trying to perform. The other thing that we do is industry days targeted around mission areas. So the components, each of the components, such as the Customs and Border Protection, Immigration Customs Enforcement, TSA, will actually host industry days so that industry can come in and hear the specific missions that they perform and the commodities, the products, the services, and the support that they're looking for. Again, this is before we're even putting out any solicitations. And the idea behind this is to give people insight into what are the things that we're looking for, but also for us to learn about what technologies might be out there. What are innovation, what are the innovations that are going on? And then last but not least, our small businesses offices, our small business offices get together uh, usually, I think it's quarterly. In fact, monthly, we actually host events to bring small businesses in to meet with program officials and meet with our small business specialists, especially to learn how to do business with DHS. Very proud to tell you one last statistics I, I want to share with you is that over 2000 companies last year got their first DHS contract. Wow. We're very big on making sure that we're opening the door to traditional and non-traditional companies, companies who do business with the government and companies who don't. So out of 16,000 companies that we do business with, 10,000 of which were small businesses, 2,000 were newcomers. That's fantastic. Because I think that's that's a great comment. Um, a lot of When I was with a larger agency, I used to get a lot of questions. We don't understand how to do business with this agency. And, and as a non-acquisition professional, I said, well, maybe you shouldn't be. Maybe you should be thinking about partnering because that'll help you learn the landscape, learn the customer, and then when you are more versed in this, this agency, then you can start trying to prime a contract. How do you, how do you feel about that with what you did last comment? So I, I think it's easier to do business with the government than ever before because there's a lot more information out there. And a lot of agencies are putting forth uh, initiatives in their websites uh, explaining to people how to do business. Uh, the best example that I can give you is we stood up the industry liaison function. We have industry liaisons not only at headquarters in my office, but across the components at DHS. And the goal of those individuals is to point you in the right direction. We also have great small business specialists. That's why we have a really good small business program who will guide companies, who will help them understand how to do business with DHS. And I think it's becoming easier and easier. And I, you know, I, I won't uh, uh, negate the fact that there is a federal acquisition regulation. And for companies who are not used to doing business with the federal government, there's there's things to learn. But there are a lot of people helping along the way. We actually host industry events on that very topic. Mm. At our strategic industry conversation, as an example, we typically have a panel that talks about doing business with DHS. So I think it's easier now than it ever has been before. Uh, I think with the 24 by 7 uh access through LinkedIn and things like that, you can really get a lot of information on how to do business with the government. And also the government is really trying to focus more on commercial procedures, right? Following more of, I'm going to, I'm going to get technical on you, FAR Part 12, which is the commercial process, as opposed to the more complicated negotiated procurements. Yeah. So, so another question kind of related is, um, so the end of year buying, is there anything different about the nature of what you're buying at the end of the year as opposed to the you know the rest of the acquisition cycle uh, earlier in the year? In is it a words, question of how or what? I think yeah. you're on more yeah. of the how. And I think in a yeah. year becomes more of a how it's than more of what. a how than the what. Yeah, yeah right. what we're buying is what we need. Yeah. Um, the how, you know, we tend, if you're coming at me at the in the last quarter of the year, especially because you have... Uh, 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 an unfunded requirement or even an emergency buy, I'm going to lean towards existing contract vehicles. I'm going to look to things like the government-wide contracts, our strategically sourced contracts, or or other, um, or excuse me, the GSA schedules or other vehicles that make it easy for me to get it done quickly. Yeah. I still want to get you the right product or service, right? So if I have to write a contract, I certainly will. But I'm first going to go for where I can promote the most effective and efficient buy to get you through that buy at the end of the year. Yeah, and well, as, as a customer on the operations side, a lot of will come and say, well, what about this vehicle through GSA? Or what about this? I got to tell you, that may help long-term, but that's not going to help you short-term. So mm -hmm. if you're looking to get something this fiscal year, we need to be talking about what's already established in the agency. Right. Um, now, I will look at, someone came in a couple weeks ago and talked about, have you looked at the cyber services through GSA? And I've started looking at those, but that's not going to be this year. You know, to do business this year, you need to be talking about what we already have in place. Mm -hmm. It's got to be easy to get to. And so I think what I'm hearing, um, yeah, go ahead, no, Henry. And the thing is, if you can leverage an existing partnership yeah. with inside these organizations, they have, I mean, DHS has done a great job 
at reaching out across all of the, the, the protected categories for acquisition. Um, my old agency, DISA, also did has done a phenomenal job. So and, and there's a whole series of partnerships inside the Defense Department um, through the mentor-protege programs, through um, outside organizations, or even things through like the new emerging DIUX, which is an innovation unit specifically designed to drive innovation into the department. But if you can find those existing partnerships that are already working with these organizations, you can leverage those relationships to actually just do it as an add-on to an existing contract vehicle that's already under execution, mm -hmm. which makes the acquisition cycle much, much shorter. Mm -hmm. In fact, almost, I don't want to say painless, because government acquisition is never painless, and that's intentionally because you're protecting you're protecting the taxpayers. Right. Um, sorry. I mean, those rules are in place for, for some reason. very good reasons. That's right. Um, but if you can find a way to leverage those relationships, it makes your acquisition and your time to sell much quicker. Yeah, and I think when, when yeah. they're talking to me from from an operational delivery standpoint, they should be talking from July first to June thirtieth, because at June thirtieth. I'm not taking anything new. Um, and then when talking to an acquisition professional, it's a different time frame. Now, I'm not saying that any that's official. I'm just saying from sure. what my planning is, I stop planning for next year in the fourth quarter and stop planning at the end of the third. How about you, Soraya? Hey, well, and here's what I was going to say. I, I agree with, with what Sean said. I don't want to discourage companies from marketing in the last quarter of the fiscal year. I don't want to discourage anyone from marketing at any time. You've got a product to sell. You think it's going to solve a mission. You certainly should market. But what you need to understand, if you're marketing in the last quarter of the fiscal year, we're probably not going to be interested in doing anything unless it's going to really solve an immediate problem. Yeah. Right. We're going to be looking at it for next year. So I don't want to pretend that nothing happens in the last quarter because we certainly are still taking meetings with a lot of companies who are coming in to market us. But most of our planning work is done in that, I'm going to say, October 1 through about the February 28th timeframe for our big procurements. If we haven't started working on new contract awards by then, we're not going to get them awarded by 30 September. There's a lot of work that goes into new starts, okay? So we, we, that's why we work from a planning perspective before the funding is actually dropped because if right. we waited till the, the budget came through, we'd never get it done. But a lot of the other stuff... We're, we're already talking about it. We're already deciding kind of what's going to be the strategy, what's going to be competed, what's going to be small business, because we have to plan ahead. We really do, because sometimes we have to do a lot of market research. If we want to meet the goals, if we want to promote competition, we got to start thinking about that up front, because the competitive procurements obviously take longer. We're going to come back to that market research, because I want to tell our listeners how they can assist in that, right? But I, I want to go back to um, Henry talking about partners and Soraya, you talked about partners. Who are they and how do we find them? Oh man, they're all over the place. If you, if you drive around the beltway, you'll see lots of, of so logos are partners on like contractors, systems oh, integrators. Is that who they're, we're they're, referring they're, to? They're, they're, it's not only that there, I mean, there are the partnerships that you generally will think of are people who ex have an existing re contractual relationship with the federal government in the agency that you are trying to approach. So, I mean, you have to do the qualifications very, very clearly up front on, on what you're trying to do. And you have to show the benefit to that particular partner. But those partners are also the people who have got con uh, the contracts that, that have enough of a ceiling mm -hmm. um, and also have enough longevity on them so that it actually matters to the respective organizations. It's great to have a partner, but if that partner's contract is about to expire, um, that doesn't help anyone in this discussion and if there's a ceiling that the, the contract is about to hit a threshold sorry the the chance of you being in, able to inject something new into the discussion is again close to zero but there are a lot of opportunities out there um i mean you look and again my my focus generally has been inside the defense department and the intelligence community so you have professional organizations and and, and sean is is one of them uh, is the president of one of them who who can actually do some of this um, marriage brokering of innovative companies that have actually technologies that matter to the federal government and and people who are working inside the government to help shepherd them through the process. The other thing that the marketing sales team have have to be concerned about though is does your product actually work inside the federal government? 
it's it is a shame where you have seen so many so-called innovative companies and i and i have to put the air quotes around that where the product doesn't scale mm-hmm. um the software is buggy the software can't pass any of the any of the testing that makes them compliant inside uh, a federal organization and so it's great to have a little app that does something really kind of cool but if it doesn't scale and it's unsecure um it doesn't matter to them i mean and so i mean and that yeah. and that's the other sh- Caveat, and that's why finding some of these other partnerships through things like mentor protege programs are absolutely critical. And DHS's small business office is great at trying to generate the demand signals on both sides. Right. Uh, in fact, uh, we encourage folks to go out to these industry events that are mm-hmm. hosted not only by industry associations, but as well as federal agencies, because they're great networking opportunities. That's where you're going to meet the companies that are out there doing business. You know, uh, almost every agency now has, especially large agencies, have strategic sourcing programs. They actually have program offices that are focused on strategic sourcing. They we actually publish those strategically sourced contracts so folks know who who holds those contracts and what kind of work that they're doing. In addition to that, a lot of us host uh, small business events for companies that are new. And then add to that in an agency like ours where we have a very robust research and development program, we'll even bring in those innovators, those companies that Mm -hmm. may have a product that maybe has a commercial application that they've never really tried in government. We have opportunities that we've created even for doing that. So companies just have to do their homework. Do your due diligence. And as marketers, that's a great thing that marketers can do for their sales organizations. And I love that premise of, um, you know, commercial applicability over mm-hmm. to government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they need to look at the larger audience. When everybody sells a, a security product to me, and I said, look, security budget's this big. Um, if you're not on the camera, it's very small. Um, <laughs> um, but the IT budget is much larger. And what I tell people to do is make the crossover. So if someone comes to me and they want to sell, how do we relate this to Fatara? Right? Because yeah. then I can put it in front of the CIO, and all of a sudden, if it's going to help him, because there's a lot of things that you do in security that's going to give him visibility of what's going on. That's interesting to him. And so how do we do that? But I also think a lot of innovative products die on the vine because they don't know how to market to the government executive. So do they do something like in an email that hopefully is not going to trash, start out (laughs) saying, we are an innovator with great success in the commercial marketplace. I mean, what do they say? What's what's some guidance? I I think that that one is slightly again, Recently overused. Okay. Is you know so what's is a that new the trick? commercial Give us a trick. has the, the 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 magic pill to solve all the government's problems. Um you know, those first three lines are really just what is the product? And I understand that you have it's what you said earlier, this X issue. Right. Right. And this is how we can help you solve it. Would you like to know more? Okay. Mm-hmm. Or, or you you follow that up because and the caveat here also is that uh the government people who the marketing and sales teams are interacting with the government people are an adjunct to your sales force they have a very clear role and your role is yes to persuade them their role is not to go out there and beat the bushes for your product that is not their job um and and unfortunately you see people asking can you set up these meetings for me that's that's not their job right and 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 it's actually untold i mean you can't really push that ethical line to say, hey, I need you to do this for me. Well, no, I can't do it. And and please don't put me in the position of, of, asking, of asking that question. Um, I think Sean hit it right on the money, though, is that if you look at the federal spend for a lot of these budgets, um, so much of that money is put into the daily operations and maintenance functions. And so if you as an organization can say, I can go there and I can make this business process faster, easier. And by the way, you can, by doing this, I can give you your, in, in a wonderful world, year of execution savings. You you just hit nirvana okay. for many of these organizations. That's good but, insight. But at the same time, I think Sean was also very accurate when he indicated um, cybersecurity, great buzzword, lots of money being spent there. But how does it apply into the whole? I mean, and IOT, I mean, uh, inter- yeah. Internet of Things is such a buzzword. And and you look at the DHS problem set, and it's there's all bits and pieces of embedded devices. Well, but those are O and Amber refreshes. They're not cybersecurity re- refreshes. Right. You look at software-defined networks and software-defined everything, all of that stuff is actually in a telecom budget. 
So you needed to show the tele- telecommunications people, how does this help you? At the same time, if you can get have the ability to help Sean mm-hmm. in the his CISO role and help someone else on the operational role, you've hit the trifecta. So you've got multiple advocates with inside an organization. You know and you've got to figure out how you you satisfy the multiple internal advocates mm-hmm. as well as satisfying the cons- the external constituents for these services. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I hate to stop at this moment, but we're coming right back on this topic because I want to talk about what are those buckets, right? What are some buckets that our marketers and sales need to think about, be it thought leadership topics or telecom areas, as well as UFERS? Um, you know, UFERS are talked about a lot, the unfunded, unfunded requirements. How do we do UFERS that are going to be of benefit to us? So we are going to talk about that when we come back. I'm Luann Brossman. I'm your host of Government Marketing University's Market Chat, where we bring you government marketing hot topics, exciting guests, and innovative ideas on government marketing. You are listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing. Brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Are you a government marketing professional? If so, you should know about Government Marketing University's GAIN Conference on October 13th in Reston, Virginia. GAIN stands for Grow, Accelerate, Innovate, and Network. Our top-notch training and educational content, networking opportunities, and robust exchange of ideas will help you grow your skills, accelerate your marketing success, develop innovative marketing strategies and tactics, all while networking with your peers. Visit governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com to learn more about our 2017 GAIN Conference on October 13th. Brought to you by Government Marketing University. Welcome back to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I am Luann Brossman, and I am your host today as we talk about dispelling the myths, facts, or fiction around the government buying season. We have with us today three esteemed panelists, all from government, and we're really excited to have them here. You um, you have all provided such great insight and information and in this last segment, we've got some really exciting things to talk about. So um, I'd like to welcome back Sean Kelly. Sean is a CISO um, at a federal agency, as well as the president of GuyTech. GuyTech stands for Government Information Technology Executive Council. I recommend that you go to www.guytech.org to learn more information about GuyTech. Very, very great um, organization that is run by is it 10 or 12 federal executives on the board. 12. 12 federal executives. So it's a, an organization run by. So marketers, if you want to hear what government executives are saying, get involved with GuyTech as well as the other organizations that are out events, there. Yes. They do. They do awesome events. We also have with us Soraya Correa. She's the chief procurement officer for Department of Homeland Security, and she's a returning guest here on Market Chat. And then we have Henry Sinkowitz. Henry is with us today. He's the former CIO for the Defense Information Systems Agency, or otherwise known as DISA. Welcome, panelists. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right. So this is our last segment, and I still have like 30 questions for you. So we're going to speed through this. Um, I hear from a lot of marketers, myself included, uh, when I worked for organizations from the sales and sales leadership in federal, please do a UFER campaign. And, you know, a lot of people try to spell UFER. You know, I see that also. That's how you know they're new marketers, right? They're spelling UFER out. Um, but for listeners, that stands for unfunded requirements. But let's really dispel the myth about UFERS. Soraya, I'm going to toss this one at you. Okay. Well, thank you, Luann. So unfunded requirements. Typically what underfunded requirements are are those things that either you did not receive a budget for or you did not have enough budget to accomplish. So when we sit down at the beginning of the year and we're looking at our budget and planning out what we're going to do, there are always activities, especially in this day and age with shrinking budgets, that we may want to accomplish. As an example, um, I may want to go through a technology refresh of my laptops, or I may want to do an organizational assessment study, something like that. I would put that on my unfunded requirements list in the hopes that at the end of the year, after I've done my really good, smart negotiating, I might have some leftover money that I could spend on that. That's an example of an unfunded requirement. Okay. What I would tell marketing organizations is it's not a campaign. I mean, everybody has them. We all have unfunded requirements, especially the agencies that do a good job of planning. Um, but generally speaking, we kind of know where we're going to go 
with that money in the last quarter of the fiscal year. In other words, I'm not planning it in the last quarter. I've already thought about it in the first three quarters of the year, and I've probably identified what vehicles might be available to use. Agreed. And and there's a huge competition if there are any funds left. So it takes time to to get that in, understand what you want, really build a business case that will justify it and, and get it to the top of the list so it does get funded. I always have a couple available in case that money becomes available, but you know, otherwise it becomes a planning I do for next year. So it really just comes back down to the earlier segments, which is plan, market, get your products out there, get the customer interested in and get it going. And and UFRS are really great to address emerging requirements. Um, One of those uh, those fallacies here is that it's great for me to go there and and you've spent my money money with me in the past on a UFR. I can come back to you this year and try to dip my my bucket into that UFER well again. Um, a UFER is really designed to say, we have something that we just didn't realize was coming along. And this is the way that we as an organization is going are going to programmatically address this emerging requirement. Uh, if a company, and I've seen too many companies fall afoul of the fact that I've used it before. My sponsor wants to use it again. Well, your sponsor should have budgeted it in the normal process, and you wouldn't have this this issue. You put it into the baseline, and you don't have that problem. Mm-hmm. However, uh, especially as technology is changing, I mean, there are all of these other vectors going on of emerging cyber threats and 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 increasing um, constituent demands. So there are needs for some of this other ways to address something that is brand new. And that's what UFERS are generally designed to do. And if you've ever looked at, I know what the laundry list of the UFERS I used to look mm-hmm. at was, and it was a few pages long mm-hmm. that turned into a great deal more money that I, than I would ever okay. have available. Exactly. Ever, ever have available. So I mean, those I, get prioritized. Right, right. and that's so really you prioritize the list right. across the entire organization, and you may be lucky if you get 10% of right. that list fulfilled. So that, I mean, it, it, it's just a, it's a game, I don't want to say a game of numbers, but it is a numbers-driven exercise. So the nature of a UFER is, is that it's a one-off, basically, for, the, for that particular year. In essence, and, yes, know, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah but if, I think we should say is, if that's a strategy, you're in trouble. Yeah, you know, that's if, not, if that's your right. strategy in getting business, again, go back to what we've talked about this whole, this whole show is market, show your product, show your expertise, you know, get us interested. If I if I can add, show the applicability, the adaptability of what you're trying to sell. It, tie it to the mission. Mm-hmm. Tie it to what I need to accomplish. When you come and talk to me, you want to say, and yes, I'm talking as the chief procurement officer, but I'm also talking as someone who does work across the spectrum of DHS and who can go reach out to a CIO or the undersecretary for science and technology and say, hey, here's a product or a service that I'm hearing about that might have some applicability to something you're doing. So you've got to tie that. I can't do that for you. So companies should come in prepared to say, this shiny new thing that I want to offer you, here's how it's going to work for you. Here's what it's going to solve. Here's how we can adapt it to your environment. And here's what we're really trying to do for you. The more specific you are and you grab me in that, the more likely that you're going to see us talking to you. And one of the questions you asked earlier to Sean, I think specifically, was you've had companies come in and have said, I've done all of these qualifications in the commercial side, which is great. The question then becomes, how does it apply to the government sector? But if you've got the qualifications in the commercial sector, you probably have an idea of where these large organizations want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've and you okay. we've, uh, the marketing and sales guys have to be able to help the government people understand where the marketplace is going, and be able to help them uh, fulfill those aspirations for what they want to be able to do for their constituents. It's it, this. I mean, the marketing side is the aspirational sale right. sales part. So, right. oh, I like that. Aspirational, you know, and, and you touched on something there that that triggered um, a thought we had in the last segment, which were these programs and these buckets and how you categorize where your spending is coming from. So let's spend a couple minutes talking about that so that our listeners understand. You want me to try? To yeah, take it away, so, Okay, so. So a couple of things. Um, first of all, everybody's heard of category management. GSA has built the acquisition gateway that identifies kind of buckets or commodity families. 
all of us in the in the agencies that are focusing on strategic sourcing and how we buy and what we buy, and also because we enter our data in the federal procurement data system, we have categories or families of, of commodities that we buy. So I'll give you some examples from DHS. IT and telecom is one of our commodity families. Professional and office area support services, so general support services. Security, industrial products and services. We buy facilities and construction office management, and miscellaneous products. So those are some examples where we've categorized our contracts that way and we go out and buy in that way. So if if marketers understand how agencies bucket their products, they can now start targeting their marketing a little bit more. And I all, I invite marketers, and, I, and I'm going to give you one of the myths that's out there that's partially true, the acquisition planning and forecasting system. That's what we call ours, APFS. Every federal agency has to publish a forecasting system for the next fiscal year. It's published on October 1. Generally, you will find it on their websites. And if you look at that forecasting system, it actually shows you the buckets that Ah. they're categorizing their procurements. And while some people will tell you, well, some of those things are outdated, they're not kept up to date, blah, 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 blah. I've heard that. You could still learn a lot about how the agency buckets, where they're doing their buying, how they're buying, and you can start looking at trends. Or, Or if you are a smart marketing and sales team, you go and look at the Exhibit 300s as part of the federal That's budget the cycle. Correct. Sorry, Exhibit 300s are a beautiful source yep. of market intelligence and business intelligence Especially about the IT side. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I'm mm-hmm. I'm an IT focused yeah. guy, so yeah. I'm right. a cyber guy. So I I mean, my, my Exhibit 300s are what you but live again, and die it's, by. It's about yeah. pointing you in the okay. right direction because you want to look at trends, and then that starts to point you to where sure. you want to go. Sure, and we will gather additional information from each of you on that and and put that on our top ten list that we publish. Sean, anything to add to that? No, I think they said it all. Okay, great. So I'm going back to you, Sean. Um, yeah, so, you know, the the marketing hype at the fact or fiction for the end of the buying season. If marketers are trying to get your attention, because I believe what I heard is if you haven't done it by June 1st, June 30th, you're a little late. Mm-hmm. But we will still do some marketing, right? Because there is still an opportunity. Okay. So uh, tell me how a marketer would get your attention. Is it webcast? Is it white papers? If it is white papers, how do they get it in front of you? What's your best communication tool that you'd like us to use? I think that's a good question. And I think it, it varies on the individuals. I am a, a written leader, you know, learner. So I like to read and that's the best way for me. So I love white papers. I love case studies. Webcast, no. And so I won't go to a webcast, but if you get a white paper. Now, how's the best way to get in from? I already said I don't like long emails. But if there's a very short email with a link, um, it, it, that gets scary from a cyber standpoint because I don't really like to click on links. Um, but I, I've had people stop by my office and though they'll just knock and say, hey, I don't mean to bother you. Or they'll talk to the person at the front and say, I just want to leave this white paper. I will read it. I read a lot. And so having those to see what's going on. But here's the key. They've got to be quality. They can't just be quantity. And I'm just going to put something out. A lot of people that have said they're going to give me a white paper have brought me a white paper. It's the same old, same old. At that point, you've done two things that you didn't want to do. First thing, you wasted my time. Secondly, you're never going to get an appointment again. And because... You're really just not trying to be innovative. You're not trying to bring something new to the the market for me. Yeah. You know, one thing I'd love to do if you're um, interested, Sean, is to have a separate follow-up with you. And let's put together a document, a one-pager for our marketers on what is a good white paper. Sure. And maybe some examples of that. I think that would be a great tool. Absolutely. And then, of course, anybody else that would like to be involved in that as well. So. Anything else? Any other insights on that? No, it is hard because we get bombarded. And, you know, the one thing I will say is when you – do market a great white paper and I go to a site to get it and I have to put my email address, I start to say, I don't know if I want to read this. Right. Because now I know I'm going to get every single piece of literature that comes out of your organization. And so um, there's a balance. There's a balance. There's a balance. Okay. I, I think if you have a good white paper and you attend some of the local conferences or some of the national conferences and you have it on you and say, you know what, I know you're busy, but here, I'd like to just put this one. You're going to get my interest. I will tell you when I was industry, I wrote white papers because that was one of the things they taught me. Hey, write white papers. Three years after I, I was in government at this point, three years later, I got a call and said, hey, I got this white paper in front of me that you wrote a few years ago. We would love to talk to you. I said, yeah, that's great, but I'm in government now. Ah. So, uh, you know, they, they hang around. Sure. And, and sometimes you may be, they may be talking to someone in their organization and say, you know, I really have this problem. They can say, hey, why don't you take a look at this? Yeah, I love it. All right, cool. So uh, we need to wrap up. Soraya, one did you have something no, else to I, say? No, I was just going to say um, there, there is a myth out there that 
government people don't talk to industry in the month of September. <laughs> I want to clarify yes. that because that's not really true. A lot of the industry associations and a lot of agencies actually still host events. Uh, industry associations primarily, organizations like a firm, NDIA, et cetera, they, a lot of them have like DHS Day, DOD Day and whatever. Um, these are great opportunities to network and meet those partners as well as to meet agency officials because we do go out. It's just you're not going to see every contracting officer in the house or every senior procurement executive across government in these events. But generally speaking, they are out there. People do go to those events. And again, it's great networking opportunities for companies who really want to understand doing business with the government. They'll meet the the, the companies that already sure. have contracts. You know, that's a whole other discussion. And um I'd like to invite all of you to come back and and be, you know, we have Market Chat, which is our radio program here on Federal News Radio. And then every fall, we have our GAIN conference. This year, it's coming up on Friday, October 13th. And when we bring our radio host and panelist um, in person, we call it Market Chat Live. So there's a lot more to talk about. So I would like to invite each of you to attend that. We'll follow up with you on that, um, as well as... Um, just thank you, you know, from from Steve and I and from all the marketers out there for what you've done today. I think it's been great. Uh, one final quick question. Each have like five seconds to answer this. Sean, okay. end of buying season, craziness, trying to get your attention. Fact, fiction, or both? Both. Soraya? Both. Um, both. Both. Okay, listeners, that's what you heard. So uh, to close today, I one thing I, I want to talk about before we go is that we have an author among us today. So Henry Sinkowitz has just recently published a book on cybersecurity called The Art of Cyber Conflict. And he will be at GAIN talking about cyber as well. So uh, thank you for writing this book. It's a great book, and I think it's going to give a lot of great insight. And thank all three of you for your service, you know, in government. We really appreciate it. And thank you for being uh, friends of Government Marketing University. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Luann Brossman, president and founder of Government Marketing University. And I've been your host today, along with my co-host, Steve Watkins, our chief content officer of Government Marketing University. And this is Market Chat, where we bring you government marketing hot topics. We sure had those hot topics today. <laughs> um, exciting guest. Absolutely blew that one out of the water today. And innovative ideas. Several of them came out um, on government marketing. You're listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter and government marketing brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM.